Welcome to the first United We Stand podcast of the season. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm stood in the Wacker Cricket Ground in Perth, Western Australia. It's my first time here. It's a, a ground that I heard a lot of growing up. It's got these huge sort of socialist-style um, Soviet floodlights which dominate the landscape in, in this part of, uh, of Perth, which is the fourth biggest city in Australia. It's the middle of winter here. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, United fans are around walking to the ground, which isn't here. It's the new Oxford Stadium, which uh, seats, well, the capacity can change, but around 55,000. United are about to play Perth Glory, who are an A-team side. And they're not going to be able to play the full team because they're in the middle of the season. Uh, they're expecting a crowd of over 50,000. Uh, I was at the stadium last night. I watched an AFL game for the first time in my life between the Eagles and the Magpies. That's the team from here and, um, and Collingwood, which is one of the suburbs in Melbourne where AFL is extremely popular. I enjoyed it. didn't really know what was, was going on. And we're going to be bringing you podcasts this season, uh, as we have done for the last six or seven Seasons. I'm going to almost all the games on the tour. Uh, there's another game here in Perth against Leeds United, and then there's a game in Singapore against Inter. Uh, there's a game against Spurs in Shanghai, and there's games in Cardiff and Oslo as well. I was just walking to the ground, and a couple of lads collared me, and they, they listened to United We Stand podcast. Tell us where you're from and about your trip. Hi, my name's Andy. I'm from London. Flew over from Heathrow on Wednesday did the Legends evening on Thursday night and now we're coming to the game today. What was the Legends evening? Legends evening was basically for charity sponsored by Manchester United. There were 500 guests. Um, Brian Robson and Dennis Irwin did a question and answer and also Ollie came along. Ollie was absolutely brilliant. Must have been 100 people queuing for autographs and photos with a smile on his face. Real gentleman. And I really hope for his sake that he succeeds as manager gets the backing from our delightful owners. Are you confident going into this season? Because that's not a word I would use to sum up the mood among a lot of fans. I, I go on Facebook, uh, follow you. I'm not quite sure whether I'm confident or not. I like the two signings we've got, and I think James is going to be a good player, and Pesaka. I'd like to see us get a centre-half, maybe uh, the guy from Leicester. So I'm certainly not sure about uh, Smalling and uh, Smalling and Jones. And I think we need a good, strong midfielder. As for Pogba... I don't know. I, part of me wants him to stay, part of me wants him to go. Lukaku can go as far as I'm concerned. He's got a worse ball control than some of the batsmen here. And Someone described on this podcast earlier this year of having the first touch of a trampoline. You mentioned the wonderful owners. I sense a, a hint of sarcasm there. I, I don't like to use the word hate for anyone, but when I see what they've put in 100 million, taken out nearly a billion, the debt is still nearly half a billion... And I see the state of the Old Trafford. I see Real Madrid, they've had problems this summer. They've backed their manager to the tune of 400 million. Atletico Madrid have gone out and spent an absolute fortune. At the moment, we're arguing with Leicester City over, over uh, 10 million. Why are Manchester United? I accept that it has to be a, a correct price for a player. But why aren't, Matt, why aren't we strengthening? Do they not realise that we are, we're only famous because of our fans? And if we have another season next season, like we've had this last season, they're in, they've got great problems. Andy does it for you. Sorry. So, welcome. Hello, Andy. Nice to see you after all these years. Seen you many years ago. Yeah. Um, at Old Trafford. You're a famous man, as you are with... Um, I'm not. Chris I'm... and... 
So and yeah, you, you were very close to the lads who did Red Issue, weren't you? John yeah, I was, and, yeah. John and, and Chris. Yeah, brilliant lads. And as you know, I just met up with him in Barcelona. Mm. We met there and it's the first time I'd seen him in a long time. But um, top lad, top lad. We had a good time out there. But um, it's nice to see the old faces. I mean, I've been travelling since 1970 now on a regular basis. And I, I went to the Legends night the other night and I was probably the only person in that room out of about 600 who'd, who'd probably seen over 2,000 United games. And um, I've only missed one game in, in European football in 10 years, but things have definitely changed since the Ferguson era ended, and that's sad. And even Ferguson's at a stage now where he's disillusioned. And, and I found the other day, Brian Robson, we, we went to the hotel and he was sitting outside with his hands in his head. And clearly he's not happy about something. But if you question these guys, they, because they're, they're paid servants of the club, they're not going to criticise the club. But there are fundamental problems of that club, and, and, and my attitude is that um, being a diehard, uh, it's time for change, big time. What, what um, type of change? I think we need change of ownership. Mm. Manchester City uh, uh, took the plunge, and their owners, second to none now. They, they buy players when they want to buy a player. They don't hesitate about the cost of a player. And it proves the success they've had. And they will be successful for the next five or ten years. There we- was talk earlier this year about United being linked with some sort of Saudi Arabian consortium. Some fans seemed to welcome that. Some didn't because of the ethical stance. What would your view be on that? Uh, my, even though I like the interest, but uh, it's the human rights abuse and everything, I find that... They reckon the um, the Saudi royal families were probably worth about a trillion, a trillion pounds or dollars, however you want to equate it. But I just, it would be good, but maybe it would be the wrong owners, and it would probably probably bring more problems than good. But it's got to be better in the Glaciers. You know, we've been linked with so we get linked with so many new owners and so many new players. It is unreal, and as as my my good old mate there just said, he's. We're, we're squabbling over stupid amounts of money. And we discussed why we was here. When Beckham left all them years ago, we could have, saw, saw, uh, we could have signed Ron Odinho for about £20 million. But at the time, we squabbled over £2 million. And we lost a quality player there who would have been a good replacement for Beckham. I know what happened with that deal. United felt that they had him. Ronaldinho felt that he was coming to Old Trafford. Ronaldinho uh, actually said to... Um, Jeez, what, what was the Brazilian lad, Cleverson? Yeah. Come to join Manchester. That's right, yeah. Because right, I'm you're... going. And Cleverson said, all right, and he joined Manchester. But what happened was United felt Barca couldn't outstump them because Barca were really struggling at the time financially. Mm. Mm. Barca had very strong credit lines to Catalan banks and United didn't realise how, how high they could go. And they got their man. He, yeah. want, he wanted to live in, in Barcelona. Mm. Uh, when he, when that was put to him, mm. that the money was good. I mean, he would have been a he would have been a great he player, been, yes, and and he and he, he was coming. Where do you think the team needs strengthening now? And what have you made of the the well, two I'm signings shocked. so far? I mean, at the end of the season, um, we were told that our our dealings would all be done before pre-season. Yeah. Our defence, you know, I don't criticise any any Manchester player. I've never have done. The only player I do criticise is Paul Pogba. He's not a he's not a Manchester United player for the fact that he'll do well in any league. He'll do well in Spain. He'll do well in Italy because he he, he but he's not a Premiership player in in the mould 
we like, you know, like... We've lost our pace the last few years. It's been appalling. We're so pedestrian, it's unreal. The two lads have signed, if they're Class anything... Players, they're, very, they're very fast. Yeah, they But they're young, they're not experienced. They're, they are... They got, I, think, well, I think they're hit the ground running, and this probably is an ideal t- place to, to ground them in, but you don't expect miracles. But, saying that, again, we discussed why we've been in Australia... You brought Giggs and um, Beckham in at a young age, Skulls. They all came into United at a, young, a younger age, probably, and they hit the ground running. If they're good enough, they're old enough. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. So you said oh, you've, missed, totally you've missed one European game in 10, ten years. 10 years in Europe, yeah. Uh, but I've seen you for 30 years at matches. Oh, yeah, no, I've, 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 like, so I've been to over 2,000 games in my yeah. lifetime, and I'm a diehard. You know, we didn't have to come here. It's not about the money, it's about our team. And whatever happens in the next few years, it's the badge on our chest, you know. To us, it's a religion, you know, it's our hobby. and we, it's, life. it's life, yeah, yeah. But I'm certainly not happy with the way um, we've been going forward, purely because we squabble over just a few million pounds. Well, 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 we are going forward because we've got some outstanding youngsters coming through, you know, but will they be given the chance, you know? What are your high and low points in your time of going to watch Manchester United Well, we were just abroad. discussing this at three o'clock this morning. Um, Barcelona away in, um, was it 84 when we lost 2-0 yeah. in the new Camp? And yeah, you were there. Yeah, Grant, How many United fans were there that there night? There were loads. We, they, we, I was talking about this this morning. We were putting stitches yeah. and we arrived in stitches before the game. Stitches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stitches. <laughs> and there had been a carnival the night before and yeah. we all, when we got there it was like a ghost town and then five o'clock in the evening it was just buzzing. But um, that's when Maradona was playing and we all was a bit disappointed because Graham Hogg gave a, a free <laughs> kick away right near the end and they scored a second goal and we thought, that's it. And then, you know, the rest is history because we took them back to Old Trafford and we, we, we bollocked them, didn't we? Three so is this tie a high point as opposed to that first away game in Barcelona when United lost 2-0? Or was that a good trip? No, I, I, it's, I, I, it's, one of the, it's one of the highlights yeah. which I, I think Rotterdam in when we were out in Rotterdam yeah. in, uh, when we win the Cup Winners' Cup in 91 and I was, staying, I was sitting in front of Graham Kelly who yeah. was then the FA yeah. Chief Executive and I turned round when we scored the um, Hughesy scored that standing goal he, he, I turned round to him and we were all celebrating he was just sitting here like a big fat czar yeah you know, he was un- he, no emotion, no, and everyone abused him, yeah. and that that was another big highlight. That was a fantastic right, game. Was brilliant in yeah. the rain. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. and it rained at half time. If you remember, yeah. there was a big yeah. gust of wind as well, yeah. and and we were all saying, "Is this the moment, Sir Matt Busby, had come in to rescue our plight?" And the fans in there, they, as you, you was at that game, of course, mm. there was. What three quarters United in that ground yeah. that night, and a little uh, contingent of Barcelona fans. But what yeah. what a night that was as well. Yeah, ninety one was good. And, and when you're saying about Busby, do you mean ninety nine in camp now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You just feel he's always been around. But yeah. I, I wish he, you know, he'd be turning in his grave if he see how the clubs run now. Even Alex, I saw Alex Ferguson in Seville in um, when we played out there last year, and I know saw Alex quite well because he. He knows the London branch, yeah. you know, uh, Ralph Mortimer very yeah. well. And, and he's got to know us over the years, and he's got a nickname for me now, old Fergie. What is but, it? Uh, gay Boy. I don't ask. And the reason why my nickname's Gay Boy is because uh, Ted, Ted Beckham used to get on the coach with yeah. the London branch, and yeah. I used to give him a hug and a kiss. Yeah. And when I got on the coach with him one day, he, um, 
I gave him a kiss and uh, he's with his wife Sandra there and he, he said, gay boy, get off of me. And for the last 25 years plus, but Fergie even knows me as a uh, gay boy. Now. But uh, I spoke to, um, to Alex out, out of that game and he, um, he then was concerned with the way Mourinho was taking the club forward. And he said to me, mm, it's his tongue in chief, he said, who do you would like to see your next manager? And I, I actually said, Pochettino, you know, Spurs manager. And so Alex said, um, 100% agree. So I think, so Alex knows who he, who he would like to run the club, but I haven't got no criticisms of Solskjaer. I think he's a top man. He's a, he's a very um, approachable man. I mean, I had a few run-ins with Mourinho last season at, um, in Basel. And, um, How? Uh, oh, Seville was the first one. where He was in the same hotel as um, Sir Alex Ferguson and Bobby Charlton, and he was staying here with his hands in his pocket at the uh, reception reading it. And um, a couple of us, not me, I, um, went up to him and he just turned right and was quite rude to the people. So he's not approachable. He's always... I'm not saying he's a, a bad manager, but he's, he was never approachable. He, he just... He's his own man at the end of the day. He never but, got the club, did he? I don't yeah. think... He never understood the supporters. Whereas when Sir, Sir Alex came in and Bobby Charlton and, and his wife, they were just fantastic. They were just... You know, they come over to us, spoke to us. There's only four or five of us sitting there having a drink. But they were... Um, Paddy Crowering came in, Brian Robson was there, some of the players. All great, all, you know, very diplomatic. None of us are hard, you know, like, we don't... I'm not a stargazer, don't get me wrong. I don't have photographs taken. And, but they were... They are the DNA of the club, and Solskjaer's the same. Solskjaer, the way Solskjaer's conducted himself on this tour is... is it's a credit. And... If he does fall on his sword and get and the club sack him, um, he'll always be he'll have a special place in all the Man United fans because they love him. You know, I haven't heard. I must admit, I haven't heard one criticism against the guy. Have you, Andy? Can I have two um, wishes for the season, please? The two wishes for the season. I, I just hope we're more competitive, and he gives uh, some of the youngsters, uh, you know, like Gomes and and. The Dutch boy called the Dutch Fellaini. I just hope, uh, and I, I think the bonus this season will be will be the emergence of Green. Is it Green Mason? Yeah, Mason Greenwood. Yeah. I think potentially he could be the bonus of this season. Andy, the Glazers go, and uh, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but we've got to look at top four, which for Manchester United isn't good enough. Pure. Do you think they'll finish in the top four? Can I answer that in May? It's bizarre we're even having this conversation, isn't it? You know, we're Manchester United. We should be looking to finish one and two, not praying for top four. Yeah. But if we can get, as I said, get rid of the owners, that's uh, and put, go forward. And with Keith White, Keith is from Dublin originally, and he's been in Brisbane for quite a long time, and he runs the Brisbane Reds. It's the official Manchester United supporters club in Brisbane, which is a five-and-a-half-hour flight from here. And Brisbane is it's a very nice city. It's the third biggest city in Australia after Sydney and Melbourne. And I met some lads um, who've moved from Manchester to Brisbane during my time that have been here in Perth. And Keith, you, you grew up in, in Dublin, north side or south side. We get a lot of listeners in Dublin, so I've, I've needed to up my game. Welcome to the podcast. Cheers, mate. Um, yeah, grew up in Dublin, Um a place called uh, Castle Knock, just on the north side there. Yeah. Um, and I came out here, a couple of my mates were, were coming out here in 2007. 
Um, I just finished an apprenticeship and um, sounded like a good idea. I've always wanted to travel. Um, found myself there was a lot of work in Brisbane at the time, uh, work in construction, and said um, that'd be the place to go. So um, yeah, I ended up here and yeah, haven't really looked back. It's twelve years now and um, yeah, love it there. And so you used to go to Old Trafford when you were in Dublin. Yeah, I used to get over um, as much as I could could afford really. Um, probably used to get over. I think that the, the season before I left for Australia was over nine times. I think right. I got so over once a month. Yeah, pretty much once a month. I'd, I'd get over um, and any time I could. I I go back every time I go back. Um, I try and get a game in. It's usually around Christmas time. Um, um, I've been back a couple of times for cup finals. Um, I was in Rome in 2009. Um, I'm not talking about that. No, well, I said in the build-up, um, the difference in Messi and Ronaldo is Messi can't head a ball and he scored a header in about 20 minutes in. So <laughs> I remember after that game getting a really angry email from someone on, on, uh, on Facebook saying, you're a disgrace if you don't est investigate corruption into that goal because Edwin van der Sar has definitely taken a bribe. And I just thought, <laughs> bollocks. Yeah. You know, I, just, I just don't think he did do. I just know? think he, no one was expecting Messi to head the ball. Yeah, like. <laughs> he, uh, well, it was a great header, yeah. but he had nobody near him. True. So you, you're in Brisbane then. The way that you watch United changes completely. Was it that whole uh, early hours in the bars, the Irish bars? The, the yeah, English well, bars? we we meet up in um, a pub called the Pig and Whistle in, yeah. um, in in Brisbane City. There, but that that was it's advertised as um, Brisbane's home of football, and a lot of the other supporters clubs go there. So that was my port of call to go and watch games. But I realised that there was there's only like four or five blokes in United kits, and um, yeah, we were, we were watching games and. I realised that all the other supporters clubs, when we play Liverpool, there'd be fucking 100 of them there and there'd be five of us in a corner. And I said to a couple of the blogs that I used to see familiar faces, I said, well, why, have, why haven't United got one? I said, well, biggest club in the world, how come we haven't got And they said, just no one has ever really sat down and organised and put one in place. And after, after a while, a couple of them suggested I did. They could say I had a passion for it, but... I had to get my visa sorted and, and stuff like that. I, d I never intended to stay in Australia. Um, I came out for the, the one-year working visa and I never really planned to stay. But once I did, then I was like, um, OK, let's do this and, um, and let's get it up and running. She spoke to the club? So I spoke to the club. We, we started it off just trying to unearth all the, the Reds in Brisbane because the, the biggest thing was that when you start something like that, people don't know about it and it starts from, from small numbers. Um, we approached the club and they told us about becoming an official club. You've got to get these 50 members financially signed up. You, you've got to have a few more other things in place. And I could see we were miles away from that. So we slowly built it up. We started going on social media and that. And um, I think the big turning point was, um, I think it, was a, it might have been the 2011 um, we play Champions League final in 2011. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people wanted to meet up. And we got a huge crowd down. Yeah. And we built on that. Yeah. And then when United came over here in 2013, yeah. it just took off yeah. big time. We organised an event in Sydney yeah. for our supporters club. And then others just joined. 
and everyone wanted a part of it then after that and it really took off yeah how many members do you have although it, financial members each year we usually kind of go over about 150 yes yeah. it's not a huge amount but yeah. um in years no, I, like, i'd rather value that than, yeah. than likes on facebook well, which is easy well that's i've yeah. heard that question asked a few times and people say we four thousand members mm. so that's four thousand members of a facebook group you it know means, it means so, nothing. Nah. so no. uh, we we it varies each year but we we, we usually go over the 100 mark yeah i think united did it put out a list this year of the top 100 yeah. um, supporters clubs in the world and I think we were about 82nd and I looked at it and I thought oh, I wish we were a bit further up but when I looked at it then whether we were the only Australian club there and we were actually ahead of like whole countries I think we were above like Italy or someone like that so it's actually uh, yeah it's pretty pretty decent so happy with that yeah so you'd, you'd meet the games where are your members from are they Australian are they Mancunian everywhere they from and Ireland that's that's the great thing about it. That's the, the thing we've got people that have, have come over from from New Zealand. Um, we've got Irish, English, Welsh. Um, we've obviously a, a good element of local uh, Brisbane boys and girls. And um, yeah, we get we get people because we're we're not actually Queensland. We are just set up as the Brisbane branch. But we've we've blogs from Bundaberg and um, all over. Uh, Queensland, so yeah, they come all shapes and sizes and nationalities. Is Bundaberg where the rum? The yeah, from there. yeah, that's where everyone knows about Bundaberg. Yeah, the sugar canes from up there. Isn't yeah, it? up the north there. Yeah. From, and then would you get people backpackers traveling through, getting in touch with you, coming to watch a game with you? Yeah, so that's that's where that's the power of social media, where that is where it's a, yeah. a good thing, because people they land in Brisbane, they might only be there for a weekend. And they find your Facebook page and they say, hey, where do you guys meet up? And we say, the pig and whistle, come on down. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 sometimes they, it, you get fans that become your best members that have just by chance found you. Or sometimes you get blokes that are passing through for two weeks, just want to have a great night with you and, and, and move on. Because they, they like you, they've got that personal connection, they've had a good time when they, they've seen you. So you, you, you meet up for games... Have you done any trips to Old Trafford, or is it just too far, or it's, individually you yeah. just make your own arrangements? Well, what we what we do, there is a lot of um, expats here, and that that go back. Christmas is obviously the the big time we go back, so we try and organise once a year a kind of. There's usually fifteen, maybe twenty that go together, and there's some that have come over and they've gone back home. They haven't stayed on here, and we try all kind of meet up, but we looked into organising. A trip from here, flights, accommodation—it's just the logistics of yeah. it, and getting money off people is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, that's well, the side of the world. Isn't yeah, it? well, that's it. Yeah. But then technology has changed a lot, even since the time you you've moved over. Yeah. Social media, Facebook was starting to get traction probably when you moved over. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine you can watch more games now than someone yeah, in well, England. Yeah, the, when I when I first came out, the the football wasn't really as popular um, here. It wasn't even they used to show. I think just the FA Cup final and the, was probably game of the week on the on the TV. And then Fox Sports bought the the Premier League like rights. Um, it's gone to Optus now since, but it's um, they show every game. That's the one good thing. Even though you have to watch it at two three a.m. You can watch every single game. Yeah, uh, you know, you you 
you don't have to worry about BT or Sky having the, the rights which, which channel it's on. You get to see every game. you just got to get up at four in the morning. <laughs> I was in Brisbane last week. I was, I've got family over there and I was just reading about the city, about, about the football team there. Oh, and Robbie Fowler's just become manager. <laughs> and I thought, well, if I'm here, I'm a, I'm a football journalist. Yeah. I should speak to him. I don't know him. I met him once yeah. on, a, on a trip. Uh, with Legends players but he was Liverpool and I was with Man United and uh, he seemed alright I think he was a great player yeah and uh, I spoke to some of the lads who know him because a few of the old United lads they they like him yeah, they think he's a good lad right, yeah. not a knob and then they put me straight in touch with him so I spoke to him he was great yeah yeah he's yeah. just uh, looking forward to it and I think he'll bring a few players in who, who, who know the way around and yeah I think he'll do alright but uh yeah. I remember Fowler as a player. I mean, play you love to hate, but that's because he was good. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. brilliant finisher. Great wasn't finisher. He? Yeah, he was so. Uh, so he's and Mick Phelan, of course, was. He was in Australia, wasn't it? Central With the Coast. Mariners, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that so that's further down. And then you were at the the game last night. What did you What are you making of United this season? I am looking forward <laughs> to it. Or are we still under this massive cloud of? Yeah, I think because we're absolutely shit last season. I, I think it's that air of negativity. It's um, and and all everyone wants is is they want us to sign ten players, and yeah. you know it's not going to happen that way. But you can't win really because you want to change. They're arguing that you want to change the the system by young, hungry kids, and then you, you sign a bloke from Swansea, and everyone says, "Well, that's great," but <laughs> where's all the big names and that and I see the frustration because we do need to completely go back to the drawing board and 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 start getting the the, the right attitude players in. But in the medium term, we we do need that couple of quality established players um, to get us through and get us. We got to be playing Champions League football, you yeah. know. So yeah, I, it's the first season I'm I'm going into and I'm I'm pessimistic about you know I'm. I'm looking forward to it as every season, but yeah, confidence is not um, not very high at the moment. Do you think United can stay up this season? I reckon it's going to be a tough battle if, if last night's happened to, <laughs> to go for it. Um, well, I reckon we'll just be safe, yeah, I reckon we'll be all right. 16. <laughs> yeah. And uh, your point about these young lads, the young, you know, if it's going to be British or Irish players, I, I like that idea. I'm prepared yeah. to go with that, I'm prepared to be patient and. I like the look of Dan James last night. Uh, Wan Bissaka, I thought it was great yeah, he when he played well, for yeah. Palace. And the problem is, the, the demands are so high that yeah. it's all right people saying, throw the kids in. Exactly. They've got to win. Yeah. End off. Yeah. And some of them aren't ready. No. Now, them two might become ready. I think they're very exciting. And if United are going to re- be rebuilt along those lines, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But it's Manchester United. Mm. And I always remember someone who watches the, the youth system very closely, uh, Tony Park, Mr. Mujak, good lad on Twitter. And I sat with him during a game a few years ago and, and he said, there's good players coming through here, but they've basically got to become one of the top 750 players in the world yeah. at 20 mm. or 21 to, to be in United's first team. Yeah. I spoke last night to Andreas Pereira and, mm. and I know him, he's, he's um, just been back in Brazil, followed his career since he's been very talented young player and when I heard of his contract a few weeks ago I knew the reaction that would get I sort of 
wow. Mm. Um, and I can understand that because he hasn't set the world on like a light yet. Yeah. You, you, you scored a great goal against Southampton, but he should have been scoring 13 goals, 14 yeah. goals last season if he's going to be taken seriously yeah. as a first yeah. team player. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak with him after the Leeds game, have a, proper, have a proper chat with him. But he's not really pushed on since a year ago, no. if I'm honest. No. I hope he does. Uh, but there's a lot of players for whom there's question marks over. I can see the point of keeping him. He doesn't earn that much money. Um, I mean, he'll be getting by on his wage. <laughs> he'll be able to afford to go to Brazil and say, you know, my backpackers yeah, are stuck. Won't be stuck. But um, you know, he's got to do more. And a lot of them have got to do more yeah. for, for United to, to, to be successful. So you've come over here to Perth for, for both the games? Yeah, yeah. So we've taken... Um, How many have you come over? I think there's about um, 80 for us. We've, we sold we sold 100 tickets for each game. That's really good. For um, your branch? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. it, it, like you said, it's not a short flight either. It's, no. a, it's a good six-hour flight. So, yeah. Um, Unless you get the tailwind. Yeah. Spoke <laughs> last week. Yeah. And we've got... Um, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a great bunch there. And, um, yeah, they always support the club. And travelled out in droves and um, yeah had a had a good night last night um, enjoyed themselves so so you met up with the, the supporters clubs from uh, different parts of Australia yeah so um, I think the one thing we took from um, Sydney um, was that it was the first time United had come over in quite a while and some of the supporters clubs were we were only set up a couple of years ourselves um, and there was we all kind of did our own thing. So we said, the next time United come, let's get all the supporters clubs together. Like we had an event in Sydney ourselves, but it clashed with the New South Wales supporters. They had their own event, and we kind of, instead of all of us being together, and we said this time, yeah, let's get everyone together. And the Perth boys, they actually, their supporters club actually started. They looked at that event we put on in, in, in Sydney, and they said, we want this. And... They came up and, and talked to me, and I said, well, look, don't talk to me now. I'm, I've got a few beers on me. I said, talk to me tomorrow when it's, when it's died down. And they started up from that, and they've, they've grown and become really good um, supporters club. And, yeah, they, when they invited us, they said, look, let's all get together here, get all the Reds in this one place. And, you, yeah, you saw yourself yesterday. It, it, was, it, it creates the best atmosphere because you've got all the proper fans, all the ones that really support the team all together. And um, yeah, it was really good yesterday to have everyone together. Where else in Australia are the branches? There's obviously New South Wales, Sydney, uh, Perth. Uh, does Melbourne have a branch? Yeah, Victoria have yeah, a branch. Yeah. And um, Adelaide, Adelaide. They're, they're probably the, the latest one. So they're kind of in their infancy as well. They're, they're just getting themselves. But um, hopefully uh, after this trip, they'll get a bit of promotion out of it and um, they'll become official as well. And which um, is the biggest branch? Um, I think I think probably New South Wales are they're the most established there in the 20, 25th year. Yeah, yeah. I used to um, know um, Fred who ran them because he was from the same part of Manchester oh, yeah, as me. Yeah. I think he's living back in the UK now. Um, and I, I met some of the people from the branch the other night. They were over in Perth and yeah. they were really keen and they listened to the podcast. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's great just going in a bar and these people coming up to you yeah. telling you where they listen to the podcast. You know? yeah, um, yeah. I met a a very nice man the other night. He was a postman. All right. And I just got this image of him walking around Perth delivering letters. <laughs> Listening to listening your podcast. <laughs> to lads on the monkey bus who are absolutely steaming coming out of Bournemouth 
fuming because we've been beaten. <laughs> and it just felt, it felt, it felt, uh, I thought it was interesting because you don't always think of who's listening yeah, yeah. to what you do. But you'd be surprised who listens. You see lots of people just come up to you and say, I'm not supposed to tell you that I listen, but that was, I disagree strongly with that, or I agree strongly with that, or yeah. was he really that drunk? Yeah. <laughs> so it's been, been nice to talk to you. I think we should put the Brisbane Reds in United We Stand this year because we have yeah. a page called Reds Around the World. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And if any supporters clubs are listening to this, get in touch with us, we'll send you questions. I like to learn about the places where... Manchester United have got lots of supporters, so I've learnt in the last six months that Tipperary has got a ship canal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, good luck with the branch. So if Cheers, anyone mate. listening to this, because we do have a couple of thousand listeners in yeah. in Australia, if you're in Queensland, yeah. join you. Yeah, yeah. How would you get in touch with you? Look us up. We're on all the social media. That's probably the, the quickest way. Facebook is probably a, a quickest platform. Um, like I said, the Pig and Whistle pub. Um, on Eagle Street in, in Brisbane City. Any of the games there, we'll, we'll watch there. And why should they join you rather than just like you on Facebook? I think it, it's easy to like someone on Facebook and say you're the biggest United fan in Australia. We get this all the time. I was like, come down, watch a game. It's better, we always say, the atmosphere. We, we create an atmosphere watching a game. We try and make it as, as much like home um, as, as, as it can be. And there's some nights in there, you score a last-minute goal, the place goes nuts, you know. And it's, I've watched games on my own when I first came over, sitting on a couch on my own, and you have to keep it down so you don't wake the neighbours because you're, you're roaring. It. We always just say, come down. And you make friendships. I've made life, lifelong friendships here. They are a great bunch. The Brisbane supporters are, are brilliant. They're different ages, different races, different everything. But when we all come together... The fun we have, the, the great bunch of people. So football's a great social level I like that. So when you join a football team, doesn't matter what your background is, yeah. is it? And but you meet a network off the back of that because you find that one of the lads is a plumber and he might be able to help you if you've got a exactly. problem or and it's a community yeah. and communities are important. Yeah. And you don't get that on social media. Yeah. That's it. I think it's great what you're doing. I wish Jeez. you good luck for this season. Can I have a prediction on how Manchester United are gonna do for this season? <laughs> um Oh, I'll be optimistic. I'll say we'll we'll scrape fourth. Yeah, we'll have a good cup run. Uh, get yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I won't go anywhere. Because no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll look back on this in twelve months' time and say that was fucking way off, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a big risk of that. Isn't there? Can't I'll leave it at that. Optimistic. Optimistic and scrape fourth. A little bit of optimism, but then you look at the competition well, and, that's they're, and they're established. Yeah, and it's all right. Dan James being a decent player, he's up against Kyle Walker or, yeah. or Andy Robertson or Terence Trent Derby. Uh, it's depressing that we're, yeah. we're talking about fourth and this keep, a ball hasn't been kicked. But it's still surreal. Yeah. It's yeah. still yeah. complete. It's, it's Manchester United. Yes, yeah. it's strange. Yeah. I just thought the other day, I just woke up, Liverpool the European champions. Yeah. I had to go there. <laughs> I had to go to Madrid and, watch it, yeah. and walk through streets of yeah. Madrid full of scousers who were just delirious. Yeah. And I was envious. And then part of me's thinking, well, you're doing this for your job. And part <laughs> of me's thinking, uh, you've, you've had your time in the sun following United. Yeah. You know, we've had some great, great oh, times. Oh, we have. We've had years of it. Just want them to come back. Yeah. Because this isn't much fun at the moment. That's, that's it. You just can't see it, can you? But hopefully soon. Thank you. Cheers, man. I'm walking away from the ground in Perth now, and my 
Manchester United won the first pre-season game 2-0 against Perth Glory whoop-de-doo nah a win and it's more than we had a year ago in Phoenix after a terrible game against Club America and Oli Gunnar cuts a much more optimistic figure than Jose Mourinho did although you might say that Mourinho was being realistic uh, but as I walk away from the ground now huge 50,000 crowd in a stunning stadium just walking back past the players hotel they've taken the top two floors of that hotel they're here for nine days the conditions are good for training because it's dry it's sunny and it's cool so the same reasons that a club might go for a pre-season training camp to Austria could be applicable here okay you don't need to travel halfway around the world Mark Dempsey, the coach, he's gone back to he's going back to Manchester. He's been discharged from hospital after collapsing, and we wish him well. Mark was a, a young player at United. I can remember, well, I know his cousin Dean. I went to school with his cousin. He used to say, "Ah, oh, Mark, ah, oh, Mark," and uh, I remember him playing against Spartak Varna in the UEFA League. Or maybe my memory's playing tricks on me there. But Mark had a good career uh, as a player and he's had a decent career as a coach. You know, he coached in, in Norway. Uh, positives from tonight, James Garner's finish came on after 84 minutes, scored with his first kick, I think. Uh, Marcus Rashford scored a goal and Manchester United won a game. It's not often we've said that too often on this podcast. Uh, the vast majority of the crowd were United fans incredibly well supported in this part of the world and I know there's this wall of negativity around the club at the moment and I understand why and the reasons why and the two lads we had on earlier on in the podcast they explained uh, their thoughts why but when United visit somewhere for the first time since 1975 like they have done here the fans are going to greet them with optimism and happiness red shirts going into the ground and thinking god imagine how good it'd be if United were great again because if 50,000 turn up and they're going to turn up three days later the game against Leeds and that that's rare because remember Kuala Lumpur in 95 United played one game against Selangor and then they played in the same city three days later and the crowd went from 50 to 20,000 but here there's going to be a bigger crowd there's a huge British expat population in Perth Dan um, James made his debut, thought he'd had a good first 10-15 minutes on the left and then he switched over to the right, he was making diagonal runs, he was getting hit a few times in tackles, he was bouncing back up, Aaron Wambasaka came on at half time, uh, I thought he did well, I liked him, I liked him when I saw him at Settlers Park, I've been a couple of eventful games there the last two or three years but I thought he was really good and I'm pleased that he's signed and Oli Gunnar just now in the press conference was he's pretty defensive because he's not got any news to give or that he wants to give publicly about uh, the signings that he's going to hopefully make and journalists, well they've got to do their job as well and they've got to ask him and one of them said do you think Romulo Lukaku will be at the club at the start of the season it's a legitimate question but the way he answers it he can't say no he's going uh, unless he's definitely going and if 
contracts haven't been concluded, and if not, then you can't say much. I liked it when Garner scored that the young lads who came through the youth system we've celebrated with him. There's very good young players here. The question is whether they're good enough to play in the Premier League and where the demands and expectations will be high and instant. But uh, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot about players pre-season and players who do well. And I've just had a chat with, uh, well, I spoke with Juan Mata, so I'll put that out in the next couple of days, but also Andreas Pereira. And I, I'll speak to him properly this week, and he said he's feeling good, but he also knows that he's got to take his chance. He knows you can't have a stop-start like last season. It's all right banging a brilliant goal as he did against Southampton. You've got to be doing that with consistency. And Oli Gunnar's had a good chat with him. I think there's a talented player there. But when I heard a couple of weeks ago that he was signing a new contract, the reaction was as I expected it to be. Well, whatever. But he doesn't earn a huge amount of money. He's a young player. But he's coming to the point where he's not really a young player anymore. He's got to do more, and he knows that. Uh, he's feeling good. He's just been in Brazil. His family are in Curitiba, and he's got a good relationship with Solskjaer. So that all sounds good, and he wants it to be good, and his manager wants it to be good, but it would just get all knocked right back if United have a bad start to the season. And they've got two tough games at home to Chelsea and away to Wolves. And you can't even say there's a fragile mood because the mood is still still on the floor. And I spoke to a couple of people from the club and they're getting frustrated that there's just this wall of negativity all the time. But as one of them said to me, uh, it's up to us to, to change that. Only they can change it by winning matches because this is Manchester United. One of the biggest clubs in the world. Six isn't close to being good enough. And... Matter was saying you can obviously understand why the fans uh, are annoyed. I was out there uh, Friday night with one of the it's like two supporters branches from Perth, north of the river, south of the river. Loads of uh, people from, from from Manchester, and they're very enthusiastic. They're enthusiastic about United being here. They're buzzing because Brian Robson's here, because Dennis Irwin's here seeing them because United are doing a bit about town and doing the, the, the charitable stuff which is all, all well and good um, to do that uh, but again it, 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 if the team are not winning and they were definitely not winning towards the end of the season that just puts his negative um, lens over absolutely everything and David De Gea Quite interesting what Matt has just told me that De Gea had said to him, telling him how great he was when United won the league. I don't hear much from De Gea because he doesn't say much, so I quite like the fact that he really enjoyed it and he wants more of that. Do I think United are going to win the league this year? No, not at all. But football can change quickly. I'm sure a 30 gap, 30 point gap can change that quickly. reason it's terrible how, how do you begin to explain uh, some of those results I got angry yesterday thinking about how bad the Everton game was in in April uh, that's that 4-0 
and I looked at it two ways. One, United were terrible, but two, no one really said much about Everton. <laughs> they could be finishing above Manchester United if they don't get their act together this season. Uh, Pogba and his future will continue to dominate again. Solskjaer can, can not really say much because he's not in control of the situation. He can tell Pogba that he wants him to stay and he thinks he's a great player. But he actually hinted that he'd make him captain. And I wrote a piece on Thursday night about United's lack of captains. Um, and I thought a year ago, strongly thought, and I know that Pogba wanted to be captain, uh, that he should be captain. And when Jose Mourinho made him captain for the first game against Leicester, I thought, oh, this is good. But then there was a, an awful match at Brighton away and Pogba was captain for that one as well. And I think I spoke to some United fans last night in the bar and one of the lads had come from Cork in Ireland and he was saying, if I, give Pog, if I see Pogba, I'm going to give him abuse. And that's not an isolated view either. Fans don't like it, and quite rightly, when players say they're going to leave and he said that and his agent said that or not going to but want to uh, but United don't want to sell so this is going to run and run and run I still feel that the team need um, a couple of new players I love the idea of your Greenwoods and your, your Chongs coming through and being able to play immediately but and, and I always see this sentiment from fans that put the kids in got nothing to lose but I, I, I don't agree if there are things to lose because and I think Mourinho got it right when he was guarded a year ago uh, when people were saying can Gomez play in the first team uh, if you put them in and they get hammered and the confidence gets whacked although would Rashford have ever got a, a chance if it wasn't for injuries so pretty cold here in Perth. I'm going to speak to loads of different people over the next few days around the city. And Leeds, it'd be good to get some Leeds fans, wouldn't it? I was, I was a bit gutted they didn't come up. Not because I like Leeds United, but because um, I want a return of Manchester United, Leeds United matches. And uh, I also must quietly admit that I really like um, Marcello Bielsa he's a brilliant manager Just, I think he's a mad brilliant human being and I love what he stands for I love his addiction to football I love the fact that when his team are battering Man United away and Ander Herrera goes to the sideline and says should we shut up shop he says no attack him even more I'd rather lose the game than go against my principles uh, so that's United uh, against Leeds Anything happens, I'll put stuff on United We Stand, put stuff on the forum down there. I'll be writing most days. Uh, I'd expect to interview a couple of players over the next uh, couple of days. Until then, goodbye.